0: What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Never Broken Podcast with yours truly, the one and the only, the Queasy Man. Well, what an exciting weekend of high school football and college football. A lot of noise, uh, upset city for sure, uh, definitely going on. Uh, You know, if you were glued to your television on Saturday um, from 12 p.m. till about uh, 12 p.m., AM, uh, as I was, there was so, a lot of excitement and, uh, you know, I just, I love, I love college football Saturdays who does, you know, and if you're into college football, I know you love it as well. Um, I can't get into the NFL like I do college and, and high school. I just, I, I can't, you know, it's football. I get it, but I don't know if it's, you know, due to the, the political things, the, the, the money and you just don't, you know, in an, an example, um, Texas A&M upset the number one team, Alabama, in the country, um, and they, they did it with their backup quarterback. Uh, you know, their starter went down, and their backup quarterback played and actually threw a, won a you know a beautiful touchdown pass, and somebody rolled into his leg. But if you you go to YouTube or even on Facebook at you know the the football college football game day, if you see how the fans reacted at the end of that game. For Texas a m and you see a stadium that holds a couple hundred thousand i I would say you know i'm get I'm guesstimating, and they rush the field I mean, and you see students and and parents and and just fans you know hugging and and celebrating people of all races, colors, sex, whatever it doesn't matter that's the beauty of sports. There was, however, many fans on that field last night, embracing their team, Texas A and M. There was no politics talk. There was no vaccination talk. They beat Alabama, number one team in the nation. And if you saw the elation, would be be the word to use, the, of what had happened and the joy, the the excitement, the underdog. Um. I, you don't see that at the NFL level. You you just you don't. And I, I, I don't I, I, I just I guess I can't get in the NFL. I just I guess I can't. Uh, so we're gonna start out the the the, the week, the, the show. Um it's gonna be a two part show. We're gonna talk football um a little bit and then I'm going to end that recording and edit that and uh drop that and then um then we're going to, going to do another show quick uh, as we call our, our Monday motivation and that's going to be a ritual from now till the beginning of the year Monday motivation um so we're going to start out on on Friday night you know my wife and my children and I we went to the Bedford Central game uh you have two 6 and 0 football teams playing in the lower Highlands, playing it their they're at the top of the league. And the game's over at Central. And we show up. And this is going back to and I and I wanna make this note, this is going back to the Alabama A and M game. Um there wasn't as many fans. There wasn't a hundred thousand fans there. But There was a couple thousand. And what I mean by that is my wife and I roll up to the Central Athletic Field, and it is 640-ish. It's like 640. And cars packed everywhere. If you know where the Central Football Field is in in relations to the, the YMCA... At, you know, in Roaring Springs, there, there was cars parked clear down there in, in a line on the side of the street. And as we're, we're going up, I said to my wife, we're, we're not going to be able to find a place to park. And she says, what? Well, where? she had never been to Central's Field. And I said, oh, the field's up here, probably quarter, quarter mile, maybe half, you know, between a quarter and a half, definitely not a mile. And she says, no, there's no way. And I said, way? Those cars are not just parked along the street. I said, every time I've come over here and cars are parked like that, that's because that's where they parked and walked to the football field. So we go up to the football field, and it's just rows of cars on both sides of the streets. People have their driveways blocked off so people can't pull in and the, the lights are on, and sh- my, my children are like, wow! You know, look at all the cars, Daddy, look at all the people. And for a moment in time, you know, I thought, I thought in my head, you know, this is why Friday Night Football is so special right here. This is why it is just so special. And you've got two teams very good football teams, very good athletes. And you are going to bring communities together. And as I said earlier, there was no talk of, are you a Democrat or Republican, liberal, conservative? There's no talk of, you know, did you get the vaccine? Why haven't? There was none of that. It was, what high school, what team is better was it central with the, the duo of Jeff Hohenstein and, and Greg? Um, sorry, young man, I forgot your first name. I know your last name's Greg. Or was it the Swain game of Bedford, the dual threat quarterback, you know, that can run it, can call his own number and run it, but he can also air it out, you know, the air in the air. So we were going to find out. So it, it took us 15 to 20 minutes to park. When we had gotten in the gate, the first possession had already done and ended. So uh, I don't know who had the ball because we, we were walking in the stadium. So forgive me for that. So I take my, my son and daughter in a stroller, and, and my wife, you know, where, where would we like to stand? Because the bleachers on the visiting side and the home side were packed. I mean, it was elbow to elbow. You were not finding a seat in those bleachers. They were taken up. They were gone. So much that you had had central fans sitting in the opposing uh, sides bleachers, which hey, is what it is. So the game in, in itself was was you know and a lot of pressure on on both teams. A lot a lot of pressure. A lot of hype. Um, it was the game of the week. It was the like I said, the story of two unbeaten rural Highland football teams, two very good football teams, and it was who? What quarterback is better? Is it Jeff Honestein or is it Mercury's Reign? Because the two are very similar in the offense that that they run, and you dive. I like to dive deep into that just because I'm an analytical geek. If you say, you know, I have you. If you say so, so. I watched Central run up-tempo, really pounding the ball, was swinging the ball around in the first half. And it was a different Bedford team that I had had seen. And, you know, and I I mean no disrespect. You guys know I love Kevin Steele, um, you know, as a person, coach. I mean, he was my head coach and a mentor. So I will, you know, I'm not taking any jabs at him or any of his staff. But it was kind of like they were in... In this fog, and it it seemed like they were one step behind central with with things and sometimes these we have to remember that these are teenager boys, young men they 're not fully men yet they're young men developing into men they 're growing they have hormones they have they have the pressures of being a teenager in A lot of things. So their mental capacity is different from what mine is, or mine is different of what a man is that is 45-50. You have, you know, our brains are are different. We're in different stages of our life. We have different thought processes. But I felt Bedford was in in the fog a little bit and one step behind. And that's not taking anything from the Hohenstein kid uh, that plays for Central. A great athlete. I mean, mean, he's good. Hands down, whether you like Central or not, um, you've got to give him the respect that he is good. He is a general. And one of the things that I saw out of him on Friday night was just the the command and the control of him leading his troops down the field. Now, granted, Central had a lot of—there was a lot of penalties on both sides of the ball. Um, I don't think both teams played very well. Um, You know, turn that notification down, sorry, on ESPN. Um, I, I don't think both teams played very well. Uh, they just you know it was it was sloppy. You know, I talked to you know one of the Bedford coaches the next day. We were messaging back and forth, and he admitted, you know, both teams didn't play well at all. We will be better next week. Um, so central. One of the thing is central. They forced four four first half turnovers, okay, and five, and they took five in the game. So they took control of of the game from the start. Um, you know, to win at forty one twenty seven over Bedford. Um. You know, Ethan Iker had an interception on Bedford's first drive of the game, to set up the first of three Parker Gregg rushing touchdowns. Um, and now I'm reading this from the Altoona Mirror. I'm not going to read it word for word or, you know, verbatim. But one thing that I want to say about Parker Gregg is man, is this kid good? This kid is my type of football player. He's aggressive, downhill fullback slash tailback that you know is he flashy he can cut he can make the jukes but I mean he runs downhill he lowers his pad level and he punishes defenders if they're not ready if you're not coming up and meeting him he is going to run over you and uh I like the I like the kids game a lot I really do just physical that physical getting in a three-point stance and running downhill downhill I mean that that's what it's about um you know, this Central victory left the Dragons. They are now the only undefeated team in the Lower Highlands with, you know, they got three games left and uh, three season games uh, to play and also avenged um, a loss to Bedford in last year's PIAA playoffs game. So again, you know, Central, Jeff Holmstein missed due to a leg injury, suffered in the 3A title win over Tyrone. So, you know, Bedford and, and, and Tyrone are developing this, this rivalry, this mono-mono rivalry. With, with both teams, you know, being being good, being consistent, you know, and I hope, and 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 you know, I mean, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but but I hope we get to see it again. Um, really do. Then uh, that's you know, to, to Bedford's credit, I would want a shot at it again. Uh, I mean, you know. You are as advertised, and and you get told these things, you know. And when you're that good, when you're good, and you're confident about who you are and what you possess, you know, you want a shot at it again. It's no secret. (laughs) No secret. So, and it does say the teams can meet again in the postseason this year. Central wins the District 6-3A title, and Beaver wins the District 5, and then sub-regional game against the District 9 champions. So, what we have here is what I'm looking at is, I want to see the rematch. I do. And the reason, I, you know, these are two good football teams. This is what you want. This why is this is why games like this should be the game of the week. They really should. But you have the outside entities that people can get caught up in. And I'm not saying that that's what happened to Bedford, okay? It could easily happen to Central. <laughs> you know, when you look at these, you know, games here, I mean, like I said, Bedford was like in a fog, and he couldn't get things going offensively that I've seen them do. And give credit to Central's defense, but Bedford never quit, and they found ways to score. I mean, it was not like it was a, a pitch, you know, a shutout. It was not. I mean, Bedford scored 27 points. I mean, the score doesn't indicate how close the game was. And the reason I say that is there, there was a possession in time where Bedford had cut the lead Come on in the third quarter, and they had scored towards the end of the third quarter. Needed crucial play. Get the ball back, go down to score before the end of the third, cut the lead by seven. Okay? So the game was close, you know, uh, and Bedford was not able to stop, uh, you know. I mean, when they were sending pressure to Hohenstein, he would put it in the air. And, I mean, this kid can play. This kid can play. You know, hey— they recovered a block punt and, and that was the play of the game. You know, Clark he, Clark made a great play. He did. Um and so probably, you know, best not to argue that Hellenstein, you know, he you know, who is he started for one thousand seven hundred and seventy-seven yards and twenty-eight touchdown passes this season, including two hundred and fifty yards and two scores for him. Player of the game was Parker Gregg. He rushed for three touchdowns and caught six passes for one hundred and forty-two yards. The unsung hero would be Eli Lingenfelder. He caught five passes for 64 yards and a touchdown and also came away with a game clinching interception with 133 to play. Um, you know, Central scored three first half touchdowns following Bedford turnovers. So when I mean, you turn the ball over, this is you know what happened. Surprising statistic, Bedford had 19 first downs to Central's 15. Rushed for 242 yards on 42 carries for 5.8 yards per attempt average. The Scarlet Dragons were flagged nine times for 109 yards. You know, Parker Gregg, you know, he was interviewed by the Mirror, and he said, we come out in the first half and played our game. Played our game. We do need to cut back on penalties. We definitely need to do that. Staying grounded, Bedford's Trent Price finished with 109 yards on 17 carries to lead all rushers, but the Bisons threw for just 49 yards, and Swain was intercepted twice. So I'm going to read what Kevin Steele said. They were getting pressure on the quarterbacks and we weren't able to throw the ball as well as we would have liked, better coach Kevin Steele said. We didn't have a strong night throwing the ball, but part of that is because their defense is pretty good. I'm proud of our kids because they battled. It would have been easy for our kids not to, in the second half, with the score, what it was, but we made it interesting there in the second half. We didn't play our best football, but we'll get back to work on Monday, and Central coach Dave Baker on what it would mean to win a conference. The Lower Highlands is a good championship to win because all in all, it's as good as any conference in this part of the state. There's more quality teams. The Mountain League is good too, but there aren't as many teams, so I think this is probably a little harder to win. Still, it's always tough when you make mistakes and dig yourself in a hole, but it's even more difficult when you're playing a team like them that has so many weapons on offense and they're tough on defense. When you're playing good teams and quality opponents, the margin for error goes way down. We just made too many mistakes. Give credit to them. They made big plays, but, but we made mistakes that we don't typically make. You know, Betford quarterback Mercury Swain, who ran for three touchdowns and threw another to Justin Arnold, had an interception. We didn't line up some of their formations right. They really came out and smacked us in the mouth in the first half. We weren't really ready for that. That's a really good team over there, and we just need to get better through the next few weeks. We hope we can see them again in the playoffs and we'll hope for a different result. That's a real good team over there. And there's nothing for us to hang our head about because we came out in the second half and battle. I was proud of our guys. Um, you know, and going back to what, what Swain says, that's a competitor that that's a warrior there. Um, you give credit where credit's due, but you know, he's saying, Hey, hopefully we hope we can see them again in the playoffs and, and finish business. And, you know, I, I and I said this to, you know, a, a friend of mine uh, that, you know, is a bet you know, he lives in Bedford, big Bedford supporter, and I'm not taking anything away from central here, uh, to the folks listening. I, I never never would. I would rather lose one game and you realize that feeling and you understand that feeling. And when you don't respect winning that's when things like this happen, but it hurts. It bothers you, you know, especially when you're playing on Friday. you got Saturday and Sunday, and then you got all weekend practice. One of the things about losing and losing tough games like this is you're so anxious and ready to come out the following week. You come out and make a statement, you know, you lost, but now you're going to be asked, okay, you lost last week, but that was last week. What do you do now? Where do you go from now? And and I know Kevin will have them ready to play next week. And I, I think that you're going to see a fire. You're going to see an energy. You're going to see the emotion. You know, not too high, not too low, but you will see the emotion. And um, I hope that we're able to see Central Bedford again, no matter who would win. That's good high school football, good. And the thing about our areas as folks is, you know, we, we got some good athletes in this area. And in, in the surrounding area, like the Bedford, Blair, Huntington County. We got some good athletes. And when you you get good athletes from opposing teams matching up, I mean, that's what sports are about. That's what sports are about. You want to beat the best team to win the big game. You don't want to beat the team that's 0-10 to win the championship. That's why the team that's 0-10 isn't in the championship. You want to beat the best team. You know, and and who knows? Central could play Bedford again, and it could be the same result. Or it could be different. Who, Who knows? But you know what? I'd pay money to see it again. I I would, you know. So that's that on that. We're going to, you know, and we're going to focus on some, some other things here. Um, you know, Altoona got by the mountain lions. Um, you, you know what I'm saying? They were playing down at, uh, you know, Trojan Stadium. Uh, so, uh, you know, congratulations. Altoona, they beat Chambersburg 28-14. Ridge knocks off Gio Foyle. Uh, you know, we'll go into depth a little bit about this. You know, we all know that Gil was single A, you know, they're they're they've made themselves a juggernaut in the single A level throughout the state here in the past couple of years, winning uh three peaton Um, you know, hey, but it's it's no secret that they they struggled all season long at stopping running games of its opponent. So uh, you know, Ridge ran the ball well. Um playing on the road. Uh, you know, Ridge just did that as you know, forcing a few turners, a result of a 41-22 to Lions victory over BG on Friday night in the Lower Highlands Athletic Conference. You know, sequence of the game, with Ridge leading 20-7 to at half, the Bishop go in the second half with the ball, but finished with minus one yard on offense on three plays while being penalized for 10 yards. Rather than take advantage of a chance to close the gap, the Lions took over and capitalized as quarterback Nate Weissel and found Trevor Wine outside for a 41-yard touchdown that put CR up 27-7. to so, uh, you know, uh, Ridge, his is Max Shoemaker said, "Hey, hats off to Jack and cashing them in. They were big morale and momentum booster for us because if you walk away not have any points on the board, the kids kind of hang their heads naturally." He did a nice job, and we used that to build more momentum going into the half. Shoemaker also said they had a number. They've had our number the last couple of years. BG, their program, it speaks for itself. We were in some tight ball games with them the first three years we were here in the Lower Highlands. We just never seemed to be able to get over the hump. I challenged the kids tonight to play their best ball of the year to date. I think they resp- responded. I think in all three phases of our game, we had solid performances. We'll go to Bishop for your coach Justin Wither, and this is what he said. They, Chestnut Ridge, are a balanced team for sure. They're difficult to defend because they are just balanced but they are good at both passing and running. The first drive of the second half was disappointing because we knew the penalties and the turnovers hurt us. We came out in the third period and we stopped ourselves more than anyone stopped us. We had two penalties in the first three plays of that drive. It makes it difficult to do some things. You, you know, I mean, both uh, Ridge and BG are now 4-3 on the season. Bishop Guilford will host Central Cambria next Saturday. Chestnut Ridge travels to play Westmont at Greater Johnstown Trojan Stadium on the same day uh, we're gonna go down to the the lore the, the ICC um, you know ICC is heating up your you know football is, is heating up in the area you know week six is coming and gone and um, you know week seven is now here and gone so you're, you're getting towards the end and, and people are starting to talk that word playoffs so we're gonna go, you know, you gotta win. You've gotta win uh to be able to, you know, get to the playoffs. Um, I just don't know what to say. The Panthers Panthers hold Hornets in check. So I, I wanna talk about this for a little bit. Um we'll go up here to Northern go to Alexandria. Northern Bedford coach Gary Black said that the Black Panthers will ride or die with their defense, and that certainly was the case on Friday night. Northern limited a potent Valley offense to just six points on a long third-quarter touchdown pass, and the Black Panthers' defense made a couple big stops down the stretch as Northern pulled off the 7-6 to inter conference upset of the previously unbeaten Greenhorns and state, state rank. Northern Bedford football is known for its defense, said Black, whose team won its third straight game to improve to 4-3 and 4-1 and and in the conference. In several of our games this year, we've played outstanding defense, and tonight our defense carried us to where we needed to be. Plays it again with Northern Bedford clinging to a 7-6 lead midway through the fourth quarter. Black Panthers senior linebacker Brooks Snyder knifed through to lead Northern Bedford's defensive surge that stopped Valley. Senior running back Jace Rand on fourth down and one short of the sticks at the Northern 30 with 5.52 left in the game. Valley got the ball back, Northern Bedford freshman Aaron Bowers intercepted Valley's senior quarterback Lambert Palmer. Second down pass at the Black Panthers started with 151 remaining in the game to essentially seal the outcome. Players of the game. The, this honor belonged to Northern Bedford's uh, entire defensive unit, which shut down the Valley offense that had been averaging nearly 33 points through its first five games. Unsung hero. Northern Bedford sophomore running back Adam Johnson rushed for 88 yards on 22 carries and accounted for the Black Panthers' touchdown on a six yard run with 244 left in the first half. Most vital statistic. On a night when Northern Bedford produced only 132 yards in total offense, the Black Panthers limited Valley to just 14 first half yards. Valley wound up with 183 total yards in the game. But 77 of them came on one play, a 77-yard touchdown pass from Palmer to sophomore running back Andrew McMongle in the third quarter. Black says, I'm just so excited for these young men. They've worked their tails off this year. We've never given up, Never given up. winning three straight games after starting the season 1-3. and Juniata Valley has a great football program and a great coaching staff. They're one of the top Class 1A programs in the state, but tonight was Northern Bedford's night. Juniata Valley coach Bill Musser commented, for the most part, we played well defensively. We just couldn't find our rhythm offensively tonight. As a head coach, I've got to do a better job of making sure that our players understand the urgency of situations. Brooke Snyder commented defensively, we came out and executed what we wanted to do. We shut them down. We did a good job against a pretty good offense. Bowers Bowers on the interception. We knew the play was coming. I made the read on the route. Caught the ball and out on tip. So... Congratulations, Northern Bedford, on a win. And, and listen, I saw Valley play the first game of the year. Um, they obviously, you know, beat beat Tussie Mountain, but you know, they they have a high, they run a wing T with a variation of the spread. You know, they're a high pace, caliber offense. I mean, you look at offenses evolving at college and, and even down to the high school level. Um, you know, back when I played, and even years before that, I mean, it was you were eighty. 90% run, 10% you threw and you had to. And now, even at the at the high school game, the 1A, 2A, 3A, you know, even a small school 1A, you know, these guys are coming out and they're slinging the ball around. And, and, it, and it's good to see, if you're a wide receiver, um, that it's just different how these offenses are changing and evolving, these up-tempo, high-performance offenses. It gives defenses challenges every week. These defensive coordinators... At the high school level, level got to go to work and got to come up with good systematic game plans to, to be prepared for these high caliber offenses. And and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if they come out in five wide. If you stop it, you can't lose. You know, um, if you stop it, you know you can't you can't lose. Um, we're gonna go and talk about Tussie Mountain, uh, Southern Huntington. Just uh what can I say? I mean, what 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 can I say? Um, you know, Southern Southern Huntington is is a, is a tough football team. Um, you know, they are they are known down there being a smash mouth football team. Uh ran the spread option for a long time when Ryan Garlock was there as a coach, and you know continued to to do that. Uh, you know, Tasi is they're young, and uh, we got a new coach. But I think execution-wise, they don't know how to execute because fundamentals fundamentals are not being taught. Um, and and I think when when you're when you're a struggling football team and you're one in five, you're you got to make sure the kids are playing to win instead of playing not to lose. And that's the head coach. That's the coaching staff's job. And if the and And this program isn't to be negative, but I mean, if the coaches are not preparing the kids and they're not focusing on those things and teaching the kids to have fun and to play to win and not play to lose and relax and execute, I mean, how how can we expect them to do it? Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think Tussie is well coached. I don't, uh. To be vital. Am I my jealous? No, I'm not jealous, but they lost 21 to 14 to Southern. So you see a program that was a premier program and as I've said, you know, you've had people that build, lay the foundation and build it up. It gets built built up a little bit slow and then it goes down and it, you know, but you're you're steady and then you you take a step back, you bring a new spark in and you build it up and then that person leaves that general leaves and you start having the house being torn down again back to the old days and this is what it reminds me of back to the old Tussie Mountain football where they finished 1 and 9 0 uh, and 9 uh i think that one of the things that people have to understand is yes tussie is young they they've lost some key players over over the past 2 years but they've also kept some key players over the years uh Aaron day He's probably the best defensive player on the team. Knows for football. Plays middle linebacker. They move him from a guard to the fullback this year. Feel bad for the kid because he they run 22 dive all the time and his offensive line doesn't get off the ball and he gets smacked. Not that he's afraid to get hit, you know, but you know, when you're if you're the running back and we call 22 dive and the offensive guard doesn't do his job. And the guard, the nose guard gets in, or the linebacker gets in, and you get tacked. there's not much he can do. His job's to see the hole, but if the hole's closed down, and off it all starts up front. It all starts up front, and offensive line at Tussey Mountain does not get off the ball quick enough. It's, it's clear cut and dry. You, you want to go and you want to be these teams, you want to be the elites, you've got to do the basics right to be the elites. To be the championship caliber football team, playing in the big games, you've got to do the fundamentals right. And I've noticed, and it has been like, well, what happened? We did these things so well a year ago. A year ago to the date. I mean, I wasn't, nobody could be there in person unless you were a, a parent, okay? But two years ago, two years, I mean, granted, different athletes, different people, but it's like, okay. What, what happened? There's certain ways to tackle, things like that. But, but I think that if you're coaching to lose and you're coaching not to lose instead of coaching to win, you're going to lose every time. There is a difference. And I know the question will get asked, well, how many games have you coached? Well, I've coached a couple. I've played in a lot. And it's different as a player and a coach. But I speak my opinion. And and I'm allowed to on this podcast because it's mine. If you don't like what I have to say, don't listen to the show. Um, whether I have zero listeners or fucking a thousand, I'm still going to do this. So I appreciate each and every single one of you for listening. Um, you know, I, I do. I, I love my, my fans. You know, I love my fans. And I do these shows because... Of you folks. You know, I do these shows because of you folks. Moving on to the college game. We're going to talk about three college games. We're going to talk about Penn State. I've already talked about Alabama and A&M. And we're going to talk about Notre Dame and Virginia Tech. Uh, anybody knows I'm a big Notre Dame fan. Getting ready to go out to Notre Dame on, in, in two weeks to see them play USC. Um they had a bond burner with Virginia Tech. And am I going to say Notre Dame is the number one team in the country? No, I'm not because they're not. Um, their defense is better than their offense. We, we don't have a quarterback. I mean, it's back and forth. But here's what I want to say to you young guys out there listening, if you're listening. And, and, I, um, and I'm a Notre Dame fan, but even if you look back at the eight, okay, you never know when your opportunity is going to come, okay? So Ryan Kelly pulled Jack Cohen in the first half and put Tyler Bushner in to play quarterback. Bushner sparked the offense. They, they did some things positive. And then he started not making good decisions with the ball. Throwing the ball away, throwing into coverage, just not making good decisions with the football. So Notre Dame is down by eight. Needing, needing a spark and and they you know the clock is ticking down, and Kelly goes to Jack Cohen now, Cohen stayed upbeat and positive, and that's hard to do, but that 's what a winner is that 's what a competitor is, and that's what a leader is at its best. You young guys, think about it I'm telling you there might be a time where maybe you're pulled in the game because the coach wants to do something different, okay. And maybe what he tries doesn't work, OK? If Cohen goes to the sideline and has a negative attitude, anybody and says, "F the team, I'm done. I'm transferring, I'm quitting. I ain't going back in." Brian Kelly looked at him and said, "Let's go, get loose." He got loose. He jumped up out of the bench on the bench, put his helmet on, he started getting loose, and he was ready to play. He got back in there, and he capitalized. He went and he capitalized. He put the team on his back. He went down the field and he scored. Now think about that. There's two ways that he could have handled it. and he handled it the right way. Now, there's this chance that maybe he could have went in and got in the game and been positive and threw an interception and lost the game. That That chance could have happened. But it's staying positive and always believing and never giving up. Always believing and never giving up. That was why Jack Cohen... To me, I'm not saying he's the Heisman Trophy candidate. I'm not saying he's the best quarterback that's ever played at Notre Dame. I'm not saying he's in the top 20 quarterbacks in the nation. But he's a leader. And that is a true champion. Whether I was a Notre Dame fan or not, you've got to give the man your respect. Because what most people have done is they would have quit. They would have quit. They would have given up. They said, fuck it, I'm done. Fuck this team. F the coach. They would have. Most people, I myself, at that time, might have even done that. But he didn't. He went to the sidelines. He sat on the bench. He was giving Buckner advice. He was still in the game, mentally. He was in the game. And then, the game's on the line, and his number is called, it could happen to any of you young guys out there playing. You never know. You might be the second string running back. You're playing a game, you know, a, a big game. As You know, i refer back, you know, any game. You know, ball game is closed. Boom. The, 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 the tailback, the first string tailback gets hurt. He gets a concussion. So he's definitely out of the game. And he's for the rest of the game. Your number's called. If you've been practicing at full speed, you've been studying your playbook, and you've been a student of the game, you'll be fine. But if you haven't, and you quit working, you quit on yourself, you quit on your teammates, it's going to show. A lot of the reasons why sometimes coaches put players in it and dimes when there's a debate about who's better is to see who can execute. In game situations, you're the backup tailback. You go out there, you get your number called, and they're giving you the ball. They're gonna call a play for you, and and you're giving the ball, and and you run. You know, let's say you play one quarter, you play the fourth quarter, and you run for let, let's say let's say you you run a sixty yard touchdown in, and, and and it's the scoring winning drive at a game, or they give it to you and you fumble. A lot of people say, well, that's why he's not the starting tailback. Or maybe you're the offensive guard. And you're not doing your job getting out of your stance. And and the guy that's, you know, the defender that's lined up, heads up on you, is working you over. And he's getting penetration in the backfield. You miss a block. Things like that. Young guys, always be ready. Always be ready. When your number's called. Always stay ready. Um... You know, I don't like to, you know, do this, but you know, talk about me. You know, my junior year of high school, um, I was pulled for a game. Um, didn't play well. We we had lost. We got smashed by Mount Union. Um, at this time, podcasts weren't big, so there was there was nobody bad mouth me in public uh, to to an audience. So I lost my starting spot, and it took me one week to get it back because when I went to practice that week, I became enraged, and I found that want. I found that drive, and I knew I was the best guy. I knew, and they played the game, and the coach said, you know, we're going to open that spot back up, and then I earned it back. I'm telling you guys, always stay ready out there. Always stay ready out there. Well, fast forward to the Penn State-Iowa game. Um, you know, listen, not a Penn State fan. But I recognize talent where talent's do, And, you know, Penn State's defense kept them in a the football game. Quarterback goes out, don't know the injury. The thing that I'm not, that I can't understand is it's a loud atmosphere at Iowa. It's, it's loud. Okay. One, Penn State should be used to that because I'm not a Penn State fan, but I think that playing in that arena, especially in a night game, okay, is one of the loudest places you could ever be. So they should be used to it. Now granted it's different when you're on the road playing in that environment than when you're the home team it's different but now you are going on the clap or you're trying to silent count it, and you're continually to get fall offensive fall stars I mean as a coach and am i i'm not a college coach but you know, uh, uh, common sense tells you, okay, we, we've got to do something here. Common sense. I believe that, you know, Penn State was at the right place at the right time. I believe there were some calls that were made by their coaching staff that gave them, um, that took them out of the ballgame. Things were called, and, and I don't know why they were called, but I'll tell you guys this whether you want to hear it or not. And I talk about my man, Brian Kelly, all the time. He chokes under pressure too most of the time. That would have been the college football playoff game. Notre Dame would have probably lost that game because instead of doing what he did at Virginia Tech, he would have tried to do something completely out of the box because that that's just Brian Kelly. And I'm a Notre Dame fan saying that. I don't think James Franklin can coach in the big games, the, the games that are tough, the big games where you're playing your number four, they're number three, you're playing on the road. That's a test. How good are you? Granted, everybody knew it was going to be a close football game. I mean, that's just, you know, not common sense, but if you know sports and you're number three and you're number four, okay, so you're ranked one spot below the team or the teams, okay, that's only one number above. The teams are very close, evenly matched. When you play a team that's just as good as you or better, it's going to be a close ball game most of the time. 85% of the time, The team that you're playing is at, they normally are as advertised, and you're going to play in a ball game. Now granted, it's easy to call plays when you're up by 40 points in the fourth quarter. Okay, but you should call the same. Now granted, you call plays to what the defense is giving you, and you call plays to your strengths to what the defense is doing. And it's keeping your composure in those big ball games. Listen, listen. That was my take on it. I thought Penn State's defense played really well. Um, for the longest part, I always had to kick field goals. I mean, they they you know, they would get down to the red zone or they would get you know, you know, and and they couldn't score six. It was hard. So you gotta give credit to Penn State's defense. I mean they, they bent. They didn't break. I mean, they gave up a big play there at the end. But granted, they had been going out there and getting shut out after shut out. Get you know three and out, three and out. You know, giving up a field goal here, giving a field goal there. You know, your when your defense is on the field a lot, it wears. I mean, it's 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 common sense. If a game's sixty minutes and your defense is out there for let's say forty five minutes of the sixty, they're going to be tired. You, you know what I'm saying? So th- those are things to 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 keep in mind. Um, you know, I, like I said, I thought Penn State's defense played well. Don't know what happened to the quarterback. Um, being honest with you, I hope he's okay. But was it the pressure got to him that he came out? I, I don't know. Because I saw him moving around on the sidelines fine. I mean, I don't know. Penn State has some athletes there. They have some talent there. I mean, I'm not oblivious uh, to to what they have. They, they have some talent there. Penn State knows how to win. But they've got to find ways just as I compare them to Notre Dame, they gotta find ways to win on the road on those big games. That's how you get to the c f p They don't care when you beat you know uh Minnesota State by fifty or you won a conference game. They look at you go to Iowa on the road back and forth game, you win it at the end, things like that. You, you you know what I'm saying? Those are the games that the, the CFP looks at. We're gonna fast forward into the Alabama AM game here and, and, and decipher it a little bit more. Um you know <laughs> Texas and AM led most of the game. I, I didn't even know, and I'm not not gonna lie, I was so into the Notre Dame game. I didn't even know that who Bama was playing. I don't follow them. I mean, I follow college football, but I'm not a Bama fan. I like Sabin, No, I do. He knows how to win. He knows how to get it done. He is an extreme winner. So when I upset alert come on uh, underneath in yellow during the Notre Dame game, and I saw the score of A&M, and I thought to myself, um, you know, they were up by two, two scores at, at one time A&M was, and I thought, you know, Bama will come back and win it at the end. Well, when the Notre Dame game ended, I went back uh, to, the, to the channel surf, and I saw, hey, Alabama A&M game was on. Let's tune in. When I turned it on, um, Bama had just scored and took the lead. And And I said to myself, I did. This is Nick Saban. This is Alabama. Um, I figured AM probably made a key mistake at, at key times, and... Alabama is the model football program that, yeah, you might be up on them two scores, but you've got, you know, if you're up on Alabama two scores and you've got a quarter left, you've got a long time. I mean, that's a long – and they are good. They are as advertised. They are good. Saban knows how to win. You can't take that from him. I mean, the thing that was so intriguing to me was, you know, Jimbo Fisher was an assistant. You know to save him that wasn't what was intriguing it was intriguing that any of his assistants that ever became head coach that's ever played against him never beat him. I forget what it was there was you know I know Kirby smarts owen three against him um uh you know a couple other coach they they were all owen something normally like owen two or owen three, so we go back to that sequence a and m gets the ball. And, uh, you know, let the A&M quarterback let him down the field. They they made crucial plays at crucial times. Um, the kid made some really good throws at, at crucial times. Uh, the one time they threw inside to the guy, and he was he was decently covered, and he, he got it in there. Um, you know, there was a uh, – you know, I, I thought that at one of Alabama's guys was going to get thrown out of the game for targeting. They reversed it. Um When he got his leg rolled and he, the guy caught it and they scored the touchdown, you know, that was what was, you know, crazy to me. You know, he still caught it. Now, quarterback gets hurt. They're showing him going into, like, this trainer tent and A&M kicked the field goal, tied again. Now... I heard one of the commentators say, I don't know why Jimbo Fisher, they didn't think about going for two there with how much time's left. And, you know, they really want to go to overtime with Banner. Now, I didn't listen to Jimbo on that in the postgame. I listened to a little bit, but not a lot. And a lot of people I know that were a and fans were probably saying, go for two, go for two. What Jimbo did was realize that, you know, he believed in his team and he believed in his defense that they could get the ball back and that his offense could go down the field and they could score. So he kicked the short point, tied the ball game up. Because here's the thing, you know, and and I get it. Would I have been tempted to go for two there? I, I would have been. Really would have. But if you go there and you don't get it and you've got three minutes left, and you go for two, but you could have kicked the point, tied it up, went to overtime, and had a chance. I, I don't know. You know, he. You know, granted, did he roll the dice there? A, a little bit, but he's conservative because he was taught that by Saban. Alabama, I think, would have done the same thing. They would have kicked the short points if Alabama was on the flip side of that, and they would have believed in their defense to get the ball back for their offense. You know, when you're conservative and you do things by the book, that's how guys win. The discipline. I'm not going to say in that moment, in front of all those fans, with the emotion going, I'm not going to say that I might not have called a play to go for two to try to win it there. But one of the things that I did listen to Jimbo was he didn't need anybody to be a hero. Because when you try to be a hero, that's when bad things happen. If you do your job, things, the chips fall where they fall. And then that's that's the truth. That is the truth. But I want to thank you, folks, uh, for tuning in and listening to. You know, football season—it's getting hot and heavy. Fans are back. It's 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 getting a lot. I know you. I love it. I I love it. Uh, we're getting down towards the end of the regular season for the high school season, but college football and that other league that they play on Sunday—it's just getting started. So keep tuning in. Keep listening. Um, you know these are you know some of my most viewed episodes. I mean, last week there was 125 people that listened. So so thank you, thank you to my fan, thank you to the listeners, thank you. Without you guys, there is no me. I really appreciate it. Whether you agree or not, there there is no me. But as I say all the time on my podcast, that if you disagree and you would like to come on and talk, you know, and have a uh, an adult discussion, I welcome you. Let me know. We'll, we'll set it up. It's not hard to do this, um, and we'll, we'll have the discussion. So thank you all again for tuning in.